then we built our second one we called uh, the blaster and it uses a facial detection algorithm to fire a shot of liquor into your mouth oh my gosh three meters away <laughs> welcome to lucky episode number seven of the odd engineer podcast with will fisher of boxdale gambeha in berlin he's a mechanical engineer u.s patent agent and maker of really weird custom machines so will um, fisher take me yeah. back Take the, me back the, in time. The guy. Um, what what so, is your, go back to school. What, what was sure. that? Let's start. I, my undergraduate's in mechanical engineering and as plain as plain can be, Rice University down in Houston, which I'm a, a Texan by born and raised and I stayed there for university as well. Um, I stuck around for my master's degree, uh, which I did my research at NASA Langley Research Center in Virginia on convective heat transfer and microgravity. So, um, what happens when you are in a pressurized environment like space station and hot air needs to do something, but there's no gravity to create convective flow. Anyway, it's, it's fascinating stuff. I did the numbers and the terrestrial based experiments to prove it. (laughs) My numbers lined up, which was beautiful. Um, Thermo was hard enough for me. So that must be. (laughs) I really enjoyed Thermo. Yeah. And so that was kind of, that was kind of my thing. I went from there and Wait, time, so what was your master's degree? Was that? Um, it was mechanical engineering as well. Um, despite despite working at, at NASA, it was still the, the kind of more general degree, which actually I'm happy about. Oh, um, cool. Um, so, but I, I kind of, as I worked at NASA, it, it was not right for me, particularly in 2009. The space industry was a very uninspiring place, which of mm-hmm. course has changed dramatically in the meantime. Um, I would have been very happy to go into the space industry then, but the opportunity that presented itself was to be the first non-founding employee at a medical device startup. Um, and so the two founders that were that were active in it for the time that I was there were still graduate students. So I was working on the project full-time before anyone else was. <laughs> so while I'm not officially a founder, I'm pretty dang close. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I was there seven and a half years. Can you say what the, that, uh, what yeah, that device was? The product is an implant for type 2 diabetes treatment. So it's um, 2 millimeters by 14, so about the size of a large grain of rice. Um, it has six months worth of dosage inside of it. Hmm. And then it has a membrane on one end that controls the release of the drug into the, the body passively. So it's no moving parts, no electronics, just a nanostructured titanium oxide membrane. And so we had to, when we started, no one at the company knew how to create such a structure. There was a lab on the far side of the country that did. We started to replicate their work in in the lab, build a consistent process. I was the first person to grow our nanostructures. Um, Then we had to figure out how to open the back sides of them. So spent a lot of time in the semiconductor lab at uh, University of California, Berkeley. Um, They have the nano lab, which I spent easily 10,000 hours in, um, playing around with both inductively coupled plasma etching and also a lot of time in the electron microscope. You're really Um, getting outside of mechanical engineering. (laughs) Yeah, I I dabble. Um, (laughs) So, so yeah, so, but, but for that, we needed um, all sorts of other stuff had to happen. And, you know, if you're the first employee at a startup, you do a little of everything. Mm -hmm. So when we needed our own electron microscope mounts, I figured out how to make microscope mounts. And when we decided that we needed to have our own piece of equipment, this inductively coupled plasma etcher, which is the size of a Mini Cooper, 
Uh, it was up to me to source it, figure out the crane lift into our office building, get all the facilities in place, deal with oh, wow. the exhaust, figure out how to install the 75 pounds of pure chlorine gas that feeds into this thing, which is deeply terrifying. Um, and then what to do with it after we were done with it, which is not exhaustible in its normal state. Um, and all of that stuff. So I went into from building our product and really doing the R and D on it from there into facilities. Yeah. Um, kind of, but then of course still startup stuff. So I was still working on the product and locking in our process and that sort of stuff. And then it became, as we hired on more and more people, it was easier for me to take kind of a consulting role in the production and to build additional equipment as we needed custom equipment. So I started building custom laboratory equipment for the scientists and engineers there. Your cue um, for the scientists. <laughs> uh, yes, and it was super fun. And the cool thing is, you know, when, when your customers are all, you know, within two minutes walking from your desk, it's so easy to go and be like, hey, is this the thing you really wanted? Okay, mm. I'll go back and make it that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's really fun. And the goal was to create a prototyping shop that could build lab equipment kind of proverbially by Thursday, you know? So if somebody came into to my desk and needed a piece of custom equipment that I had the resources and the equipment to make that within a week, wow. um, kind of ultra fast turnaround prototyping. And this was before 3D printers could really reliably do materials that were useful. So a lot of this conventional machine shop stuff, CNCs, um, a lot of hand work and stuff, um, and a lot of McMaster car. Um, <laughs> of course. So, so much McMaster car. Um, and so that was kind of where, that was kind of really where I felt most comfortable is in that like really fast, how do we turn it out, turn it around really quickly. I say full stack, but that, meant that I was doing everything from the whiteboard to the physical design, any embedded systems that had to happen there, which were almost always on an Arduino, um, all of the circuitry, the whole thing, the whole, the whole full spectrum, and were not necessarily complicated or product level things, but things that had to work to, to do laboratory work. That's the hardest part. <laughs> Yeah. And so, and, and like weird stuff, you know, somebody come and be like, all right, we're going to put this thing in a radiation field because we got to sterilize it, make it out of lead. Like what? Wow. Okay. Okay. Those are the rules, right? You know, <laughs> um, and then get electronics to work from inside of the big lead box you just built. Oh, wow. So like, like goofy things. Um, fortunately there were wires going through, so I didn't have to worry about Faraday cage stuff, but, right. um, but yeah, like that sort of stuff were the sorts of, the sorts of quirky things people would come and ask for. Lots of great and experience. So it was super fun. I was doing a lot with piping and valving and timing. And at the same time, uh, the DNA Lounge in San Francisco started to host the San Francisco Cocktail Robotics Grand Challenge, starting in, I think, 2013. 2014 is the first year we were involved. Me and a couple of my friends who were programmers and electrical engineers decided we would create entries for this. And our first robot was just a nightmare. It had an electrical quirk that caused it to open all the valves at once and just pee all over the table, just all sorts of booze <laughs> oh, in no. all sorts of places. And we were very embarrassed and thought to ourselves, we got honorable mention though for most oh. honorable failure. Um, and <laughs> um, which I was like, all right, at least I have a good sense of humor about this. Like, all right, okay, but we can do better. Um, so we spent the next 10 months in the garage, like, you know, all of us working full time, but then on the weekends we'd go and hack on stuff. I got a TIG welder, welded a whole aluminum frame for it 
re we rebuilt it all the way from scratch and uh, built our first cocktail robot as a team. We've built three now. Um, this one was called Inebriate. <laughs> and it serves 31 ingredients. You can order online from your phone. It announces the name of your drink. It's, it's very showy and fun. All the bottles are inside and you can see them there inside a big uh, clear front container, polycarbonate front. Um, and there's a thing that moves back and forth on a vacuum chuck and there's stirring and ice. It's, it's a show. It's very fun. It's so very are you fun. doing this for fun on the side yeah. while you're still doing the other? Yeah, it was our weekend hack. Like it was wow. just four of us getting together on the weekends, you know, building robots by day, grilling chicken and having dinner and playing, <laughs> you know, board games at night. That was kind of our, that was kind of our MO. It was wow. really fun. And, and the, my boss at work said I could use the machine shop on the weekends as much as I wanted, which was right. brilliant because it meant that I got extra training for free and he paid nothing for it because I was using either scrap materials or my own materials. Um, and cool. so I got way better at machining building all this stuff. And so we built that one. Then we built our second one we called uh, the blaster and it uses a facial detection algorithm to fire a shot of liquor into your mouth oh my gosh. three meters away. <laughs> um, and that, I mean, honestly, the hardware on it's relatively simple. The software is the much more complex. Needs, I have one. You're a hero. It's, it, it's in San Francisco. We, we built it in, 20, in 2017. We won our third consecutive first prize in the cocktail robotics competition. But At that point, failure, we, were, right? we were kicking ass. No, we were kicking ass and taking names and winning first place. Wow. We won three years in a row, 2015, 16, and 17. Um, and then that one ended up with a, because it's using a camera for facial detection and it knows the timing, it will take photos and videos of your reactions as you get hit in the face with liquor. And our front end guy is amazing. And he built an entire system where we custom generate a site so that you could then upload, download or upload your, your media from there. Just beautiful stuff. Um, and 2017 was the summer when I stopped working at Nano Precision um, and ended up going to get my MBA. Ah, I got to backtrack, I got to backtrack a little bit here because there were several things going on at once. I also thought maybe I would be interested in intellectual property. Um, and so I sat for like the US, yeah, I sat for the US patent registration exam um, and passed it, the patent bar. Wow. So I'm a, I'm a registered US patent agent as wow. well. I started doing patent work uh, like, within the within the company at nano precision and it was cool but it was clear that i am not meant to write patents i don't <laughs> write very quickly i don't like sitting still very well mm -hmm. the patent world is about sitting still and i am not um <laughs> so i thought gosh where can an extrovert who's also an engineer go and find fun i'll go get an mba so um i did better than expect after the patent bar the gmat's not so bad I did better than expected and uh, ended up at Chicago Booth. Nice. Um, and so went in 2017 after having just one third consecutive cocktail robotics competition. You can imagine what happens when you show up with a robot that shoots liquor at people to business school. <laughs> You're everyone's best friend. Um, it was incredible. Within 72 hours of orientation starting, I had made something of a reputation for myself. <laughs> And I mean, like, I thought like, oh, this will be fun. Everyone's coming in with something cool. You know, like there's an NFL player in my class. Everybody was like, dude with the robot. <laughs> okay. Um, so it was awesome. And I spent two years there really doing business stuff, focusing on entrepreneurship. 
tried to spin the shot robot into a company. Um, my technical co-founders uh, were all full-time employed, making good money. They chose to stick with their full-time gigs. They didn't really want to quit to, to shoot people in the face with liquor. <laughs> Lame. And I, I, you know, I tried, I tried, I tried. I did my convincing and they weren't convinced. Um, and my business co-founder uh, had to go take a full-time job for immigration reasons because America. Um, I know, I know. So that was like, that was the biggest bummer. So I ended up without co-founders and I was like, I'm just not jazzed about having a company by myself. Oh. And- Cause uh, you're an extrovert, interesting. Cause I am an extrovert. I need, I need humans. Wow. Um, and so when a friend of mine came to me and said, hey, why don't we start something in Berlin doing smart furniture? And she's a longtime friend of mine. I said, that sounds awesome. You mean we can smart put robots, furniture. we can put robots inside beds, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> so I moved, I moved over here to do that, to start that with her. She's a furniture designer by trade and an interior oh. architect. She's bri brilliant at it. And we started building uh, our, our, my second company, Wrinkle. Um, so do you still have the other company or? No, D20, D20 Robotics, as we called it, named after the, uh, the famous die. Um, because we played Dungeons and Dragons together, we named our robotics company after on a D and D reference. Yep, we're that cool. Um, <laughs> uh, Wrinkle uh, was I, I wound down D twenty before coming here, um, and so Alyssa and I worked on Wrinkle for about a year. We built a functional prototype of a bed, a canopy bed, so a bed with legs that go all the way up and connect over the top. This was a very standard, like kind of the princess bed that you think of like fairy tale bed with the four posters and the thing over the top. Mm -hmm. Imagine a modern reworking of that that is way sleeker and more sexy. Um, thin metal legs connected over the top. And we, I built a track system that fit inside of the legs that allowed the bed to, to stay horizontal but move all the way up to the top. And then there was a desk nestled in underneath oh. that could go from sitting to standing to all the way up. Oh, so cool. you could take, if you have like, I have a tiny apartment um, and I had to get my bed out of the way. And so this helps, um, this helps create a whole lot more space without you having to have high ceilings because you're not in the bed when it's up. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you can, you can take your tiny apartment and get multifunctional space out of where the bed, which has been traditionally pretty much dead space. Um, you can sleep in a real bed that's full size, yeah. like a normal human being. You don't <laughs> have to have a tiny little cot. You don't have to have a Murphy bed that folds up. None of that. Um, and so we built a prototype that was starting to work and she had some personal stuff, um, come up and was unable to continue. So then I once again, found myself in a startup as a solo co-founder and the pandemic was midway at that point. And mm. I was just kind of not in a space where I could really continue. Wow. So I started freelancing at that point. Of course, I'm over here in Berlin. I am not German. My network isn't really here. Mm. So it was a tough tough first year of freelancing I bet. and uh, did a couple of cool projects. One of which uh, in San Francisco, a moving set of shelves um, for a bar that I believe should be opening soon. One of the judges for the cocktail robotics competition remembered me and said, I know a guy who could build something. And it's a set of display shelves that are tall, um, six meters tall, and they move around on a chain system. There's illumination. What? Uh, yeah, they're super cool. So it's pictures like of this? massive. I only have pictures of what I've done. They haven't sent me photos of the finished product yet because the carpenter had to come in and build all the stuff. The lighting guy had to come in and put all his lighting stuff on it. I'm waiting. 
I'm you so need excited for your profile. <laughs> I need them because it's so cool and it moves. They have half of the shelves move fast enough that they can get bottles down from the top. So like the top shelf stuff is literally way the hell up there and oh. you press a button and it comes down to you and it's all balanced and it rotates and it's all on giant like motorcycle chain stuff. Oh my gosh. The Strike opposing, that, you need video of this. <laughs> I have video of it. And the, the opposing wall is even cooler because what they said is we want something where somebody comes in, has a cocktail, doesn't notice the, the shelves moving. And when they look up, all different bottles are on there and it's like oh, magic. How They cool. have to move so slowly that nobody notices it. <laughs> and so I built the exact same system with the delay um, and it, it takes it like an hour, 45 minutes or an hour to make a full revolution. So it's going really slowly. Oh. And uh, so I have stopped, I have time-lapse photos of that. And so you can see me like moving around, getting it installed and it starts to kind of creep around <laughs> over 45 minutes. It's really cool. Me. It's really cool. And they're massive. for the bartender, but it's really cool. <laughs> well, that one's for, that one's, so this bar is built to show off. They have a, a selection of antique whiskey bottles that are empty. Ooh. And so they are there to display these bottles. And so they have custom lighting built into the shelves. There was a whole to do about how do you get electrical power to a shelf that's on a moving system. Yeah. It turns out that was certainly the most difficult challenge there. Really? The motorcycle chain is conductive. And so I'm using that to pass DC. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then I had to have bearings that were conductive. Turns out all bearings don't conduct super well. Huh. But plain bearings do. You got to use conductive lubricant. It just like see that's every a niche knowledge you know that no one else. That is <laughs> the weirdest, like outside the boxiest sort of sort of stuff. Which bearings and, are conductive? Will knows. Is yeah. there is there like a rule of thumb when you're looking for that that you know now? Is it, it turns out conventional materials? brass bearings, the plain ones, yeah. work great. But wow. ball bearings, terrible. Oh wow. Yeah, and ball bearings I would love to use because they hold more load, they move more smoothly, they don't make any noise. Like, yeah. that'd be great, but nope, but, plain yeah. bearings. That's the thing I know um, now. Thank you. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it all had to be welded in place. They set me up with, so I, I did all the design work in Berlin, then I flew back to San Francisco for the install. Um, and they gave me a team of metal workers when I showed up, and McMaster Carr showed up with two grand worth of bearings and crap. And wow. it was fortunate. I like the design worked, you know. It so this took is me just a while to install one it. custom installation. That was a single project. Yeah. Wow. Um, that was my big project of 2021 as a freelancer. So um, must be some fancy whiskey bottles. <laughs> it's cool. I undercharged them radically, which was a mistake. But oh. um, and when I came back uh, from that trip, so I got back in July, um, someone in the co-working space where I am said, hey, we're looking to subcontract out. We're an engineering services company. We're looking to subcontract out some mechanical engineering. Anybody know anybody? And my name came up. And so they picked me up to freelance on this project. Um, and I don't know if I'm allowed to disclose it, unfortunately. Then don't, um, but... <laughs> but, um, but I started freelancing for them. And they said, actually, you available full-time? I said, yes, but I like business also. And they said, well, we're based in Belgium, but we want to start the Berlin office. Do you want to be on the business development side plus also the engineering side? So I took a full-time position with them. So I'm now doing that. I have a non-compete, so I'm not doing freelancing anymore. Um, so, well, I can do freelancing of stuff that's not in their core business. So okay. like I'm still coaching startups that are here mm -hmm. um, and that sort of thing. But um, can you say what their core business is? 
Yeah, it's engineering services. They do mechanical engineering. So it's all of the stuff that I was <laughs> already everything. doing. Everything. It's all of the stuff. Well, but it's already stuff that I was doing anyway. Um, but now instead of just being me, it's a team of 25 engineers, rock star engineers in, in Belgium. And then two of us in Berlin holding down the Berlin fort. Mm -hmm. um, and so and so they can do stuff that there's no way I could have done as an individual engineer. Mm -hmm. um, and they have project management stuff in place and clients, uh, like client management stuff so they can make sure everything moves smoothly. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's nice to be on a team where everything's kind of organized and everything. And if I need someone that does simulations, it's like, you know, it'd be great if we had simulations. Like there's two guys who do just simulations. Nice. And they, they are incredible, right? And if I need renderings or sketches or that sort of stuff, there's the renderings and sketch people. Because um, right my, my robots, as fun as they are, never look good. They always <laughs> look, they look very mechanical. Like there's an aesthetic to it. I put, I put round edges on it, but I have no, no eye for product. Um, what more do you want? I, I just like, I, I put, it's lab equipment. It's fine. Um, it's not going to cut you. It's okay. Um, and so they've got people that do product design and that sort of stuff. So it's nice to be on a team that runs kind of the full spectrum and, and it's still almost exclusively mechanical engineering. You know, they get into electrical and some embedded systems and that sort of stuff to, to make stuff work, but it's not and and, and board and PCB layout, but nothing like hardcore electrical engineer. I guess that's hardcore electrical engineer. That counts. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And where are the clients usually? Mostly they are in Belgium and the Netherlands. We're branching into the German market. And the goal eventually is I would like to move back to the US and the like two to five year time frame, And then we would then branch into the US market from there. Oh. Um, and so if we start building up a US client base, that's nicer for my mom because she gets to have me move home sooner. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of the end, the end goal. That's the direction that we're that we're kind of taking it. But but I think honestly, all of the projects that I would take as a freelancer would be appropriate here also. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's kind of a tricky thing to figure out um if it if it makes sense. Like I don't know how that would work with odd engineer. Um theoretically my non-compete doesn't extend to the U.S., but I also don't want to be working behind the back of my brand new employer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you could be just leaving it up as you are as for, that's a... Yeah, I think I have, have Box Silk. Yeah, yeah GMBH up there. Box uh, Yeah. And that's that's the company you're working for. That's not your own company, right? That is the current company. That's, that's the, real, the, the real deal piece. I mean, <laughs> Will Fisher Consulting was the real deal also, but... Um, <laughs> But yeah. So people could get in touch with you to, to talk Absolutely. about in English. Hey, Absolutely. hey, native English yeah. uh, yes. about, about yes. what that company could do. We we offer services in English uh, and Dutch primarily, but if you need German or French, we can probably make it happen. Fine I'm guy. sure somebody somebody <laughs> in the company must speak some random other language somewhere. <laughs> Very um, yeah, so most of most of the operation, Voxdale is primarily located in northern Belgium, which is Dutch speaking. Um, and so um, that's their, their main office. So most of most of them are Dutch speaking. And my office mate here in Berlin is Dutch Dutch. And so gotcha. he, of course, is also Dutch speaking. Nice. <laughs> I'm also often ashamed at how much better their English is than mine. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the other side of side of it. So so 
I mean, you just rattled off a bunch of things that you've worked on. You said this stuff is pretty yeah. similar to that, but can you yeah. give a rundown of what kind of, like if I were sure. a startup, if to see if my project were appropriate for you? Well, startups are something of a specialty, actually. They uh, have traditionally worked really close with the startup communities in, uh, in Brussels and Antwerp. Um, and Ghent, which all have universities and all spin off startups. And a lot of times they collaborate with startups coming out of those universities. So, mm -hmm. so that's, that's very much the, the classic bread and butter for this engineering company, which, which I really liked when they said that. I was like, these are going to be my type of people. Um, but a lot of it has to do with product design. You know, somebody will come in with a technology, whether it's coming in from academia, where they've got like academic, like we know this, we can make this thing happen and it's crazy. Or they come in with an idea and say, you know, we've got the code to run this thing, we need the hardware to run it on. Mm -hmm. Or they come in and say, we have this crazy idea. Like we wanna build this thing in the cannabis industry and we need somebody to engineer this crazy thing or whatever it is. So like, yeah, um, I'm working on, like I said, a project right now that's in the cannabis industry, that's a product, it's a household product. It'll have to go through both, uh, probably go through medical regulatory and consumer electronics regulatory. Uh, we'll help them with those applications. Um, I'm working for another one that's for a theme park. It's got to mix oh, some fluids and stuff together. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, it's it's for, for eventual human consumption. Um, so it's very similar to a cocktail robot. Um, and they were like, we have just the guy for this. Yes, put me on, put me on that one. I'm in. I'm on it. Um, are the end products always electronics or are something straight mechanical? Tip, typically. Um, they do some straight mechanical things, um, particularly in the medical industry. There's some medical devices that they have that are purely mechanical. Um, one of the companies that, that spun out from this um, has a uh, system that allows you to collect urine samples much more cleanly than peeing in a cup, which is really <laughs> nice. Um, and nice. so they have that whole system and it's it's beautiful and it's it's purely mechanical. Um, is it a shiwi? It's not far off. <laughs> I imagine a shiwi with a collection system <laughs> nice. and, and, basically, and basically a carburetor float to change a valve position. It's, I looked at it and like, 10 seconds after looking at it, I was like, I know exactly how this works. This is the most brilliant design I've ever seen. And this thing costs nothing to make. And I hope you patented the hell out of it. Um, and they have, conveniently. It's, it's beautiful. It's super elegant. Um, I never thought I'd say that about something that people pee on. But you know what? It's the, the glory of being an engineer is to find beauty in the weird stuff. Like you uh, always just find the weirdest projects that are that are like that, I so. do have a knack for <laughs> very very off off the beaten track projects um and I and I love that I mean I, that's how I would like it to be um yeah and so they they seem to also find similar products um you know how do you redesign this boat hole to be faster and sleeker and sexier that's I think one that we may end up pitching and that's going to cause that's going to be some simulation some mm -hmm. mechanical design some design for manufacture um that sort of stuff they have people who really know um metal die casting and, and injection molding and like high volume manufacturing stuff which is less what I know mm -hmm. and so it's good to be paired up with people who are thinking you know ahead to what happens when we're making a hundred thousand or a million of this product um and so it's good. I think that's one of the things that having a bigger team really is nice for. Yeah, super um, nice. 
and you're not in yeah. a corporate environment. It's still like that. No, no. I mean, you can tell that like there's a whiteboard on a box, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, we did just move offices in fairness, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very startupy. Um, it's, it's super relaxed. It's super fun. Um, it's a good team. We give each other shit all the time, like in the like fun way. It's very, it's very like family. Um, That's nice. That's so nice. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been really fun. Uh, it's been really fun working working with them so far, and I've only been here for a couple of months. Well, it could change, so. uh, couldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I yeah, people people are people. They'll be fine. Um, no, so cool. yeah, so it's it's cool, and I I do I have a presentation of their work. I don't oh. know. Oh. Um, I I don't know the presentation very well because I just started here. So it's going to be an adventure if I give it. Um, there we go. Foxtail. That's us. Faster forward together. Mostly uh, located in Belgium. So, is that someone's um, name, by the way? What is Foxtail? I don't, I should know the answer to that question. I don't truthfully know. It sounds like a, a type of robotic creature. Yeah. Or like a pleasant place, like, like a hill and dale. Really? I don't know. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, so the general idea is that if you have a product where you have some level of technology uh, that's kind of experimental or, or prototype phase, that we are the ideal partner to kind of help take that through protype phase, um, de-risk the technology on it, um, and, and get it to market for you. And that could be highly experimental technology, or it could be pretty mundane stuff, um, but getting it there is kind mm -hmm. of, is kind of what goes and and um, Voxel takes a very collaborative approach. I don't know if this is going to be in a slide later, so we'll see. Um, maybe um, we'll come back to that. A uh, very collaborative approach and really likes to work with uh, with the team that we're with. So if there's engineers that are already at the company working on stuff, we like to make sure that they're included in our calls to make sure that um, that their technological development matches what we're working on as well. Yeah, that's um, so we pull the we pull the technical teams together because nothing is more frustrating than being an engineer, having the business person's hire out engineering <laughs> who doesn't know anything about it. I hate that. Everyone here hates that too. We want to make sure that the technical people are, are communicating with technical people. Beautiful. That's really important to us. Um, and if there are no technical people on the other team, then we are happy to spend time explaining what we're doing and how it works and why the things we're doing are difficult. Um, and I have been impressed with the caliber of the teachers. Uh, that exists on the technical staff here as well. People oh. are really happy to slow down and make sure that people know what's going on. That's great. Um, which I, I think is a strong sell for, for me personally. Um, so yeah, the idea is uh, that we kind of help get products to market. Um, <laughs> we can do a number of different, uh, a number of different things, designing um, products or all the way from concepts, products, so on. We can help and do design reviews specifically, um, due diligence also for uh, kind of patent research and competitive landscape stuff. Um, with intellectual property, we can help write up. I know for a client, I wrote up a list of what I felt were patentable technologies, um, which I do have background in that. So I can yeah. really go in and say like, I built this thing, patent all of this crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we can also do a lot of the company actually started as a simulations focused company. It's moved on because what they found was that the clients really were looking for um, more than just simulations. And but what kind of simulations are that specifically? Is it mostly and thermal? Fluids, thermal, 
um, and uh, and stressy like structural things. So all in the mechanical realm, um, windmills, boat hulls, race cars um, are, are on the fluid side, but then also tiny things, um, electronics enclosures, heat buildup and medical needles, like all manner of crazy stuff, um, you know, what? like micro, micro scale level as well. Wow. That's so many things, um, but you know what it's not? There's no, there's no optical simulations there, Will. What's up with that? I think when that comes across your plate, you know, get, give I Aaron can, a call. I can, I can, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> optical is, is, is way out of my bread and butter. Um, so like on my project where I have shelves with lighting on it, I was like, you get 24 volt DC. That's where I stop. <laughs> like as far as I go, the rest is on you. So, um, so yeah, so it, it would be, it can absolutely keep you in mind for that. Um, I don't know anyone who can do fluid simulation. So that's really cool. It, yeah, that's, and we and we could do that, and also and also the prototyping goes along with it. Cool. Um, and I do think that's actually where a fair number of the clients come in. Um, like the yeah. cannabis industry is interested in getting stuff into gaseous form or vapor form, mm -hmm. um, and so we're doing doing that um, when it comes to building things that pipe around, you know, alcoholic beverages and that sort of thing. <laughs> then it's nice to have have that um, that simulation. Yeah. Cool. Uh, here we go. The product development capabilities. It's like they have a slide ready to go. Um, we talked a little bit about simulation. There's also uh, there's also a, a strong component of cloud and IoT stuff. How to get your mechanical data to someplace useful um, and and that sort of stuff. So so that's um, there's a whole section of the company that's dedicated to IoT um, and cloud. Um, we have of course full mechanical development, but also product development as well. Um, and both the Belgium facility and the Berlin facility have uh, prototyping facilities to build out full products. Um, in both cases, there's full banks of 3D printers, but also uh, CNCs, lasers. Um, here, there's also large-scale CNCs, so we can do furniture scale level stuff, mm -hmm. get that big, but then also resin printing level of minute granularity and, and laser stuff there. So we can do a lot of a huge spectrum of prototyping there. Nice. And so, then also have production and industry partners to ramp and scale up. Oh, cool. So, and where are those? Are they in Europe? Um, I think I, I, that is a good question and I don't know the answer. Um, I'm, I, have not, I have not been with a project long enough to see that go. And so I have not, uh, I have not experienced that. I wish so, I knew. <laughs> if you're doing IoT stuff, I, mm -hmm. I'd love to introduce you to um, the guys at IoTerra because that's what they're building is a community for um, people who need connected device development to find okay. providers and to find just answers to little questions or a full projects. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think we have the right people for that. That's not what I specialize in, yeah. but, um, but I, can, I, will, I can make sure, if you will send me that info, info I will connect to our IoT, um, our IoT guy. He's, one of our PMs and he is an extraordinarily brilliant guy. Oh, I so. mean, IOTERRA is meant to be eventually like all product development stuff okay. as a hub, um, but, the, but the connected device stuff is the hardest, right? Cause you got mm -hmm. the, the stuff that needs to be frozen, so mechanical, and then the stuff yeah. that's alive that needs to yeah. always be changing to be current. So Absolutely. I guess the mechanical is a part of it. <laughs> yes, yes, it has, if it exists in, 
what my 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 programming friends call meat space. Meat space. Uh, meat like space. It's the space where you're where you're or M E A T. M E A T. It's where your meat exists. Um, there's you know cyberspace and meat space. Those are the two two your options. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, they they spend all day playing around on in cyberspace, and then they want to come build stuff on the weekends in meat space. That's how we build robots together. Nice. Um, which I think is just like a delightful expression, if possibly a little crass. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so asking about fluids ah. again, I'm looking through this presentation for the first time as well. well do it um, fortunately, I know the company. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this gives you an idea of of uh, the different the different things. So you have fluids up in the top left there, uh, structural analysis. Um, and error analysis um, in the top right, thermal analysis, um, topology optimization allows you to run through multiple iterations of the same mechanical design. So you might start um, here, you see, can you see my mouse? Yeah. Okay, perfect. It's like having a laser point, but in yeah. 2021. Yeah. Um, so you might start with this thing, but you want to make it lighter. You run the optimization process and it removes material um, while keeping a specific factor of safety so that your material stays strong and you can radically decrease the weight or material cost or so on of something that has effectively the same amount of strength as your original. Um, and particularly when you start moving towards additive manufacturing, this becomes an extreme yeah. advantage because you can use way less material mm -hmm. um, and get the same, the same structural characteristics out of it. That is really and, cool. I didn't know that able, was the thing you could do. Yeah, it's super cool. And, and things and, and, and being able to do that kind of in silica, um, is a super big advantage because it, um, it lets you iterate extremely quickly. Um, and then you can iterate really fast in simulation, print a handful of these on our, in the prototyping facilities that we have, um, and then check them alongside. And we even have a printer here that prints carbon fiber. So we can do extremely hot, high strength, yeah, high strength uh, materials. That's yeah, it's wild. cool. Tech, additive technology has come so far in the last five years, it blows my mind. The next 10 are going to be extraordinary. And my brain just doesn't even function thinking further than that. <laughs> um, it's, it's so neat. Um, is, is the carbon fiber printer, is that in Berlin or is that in? That's in Berlin. Berlin? Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, though I'm kind of, kind of pushing for one being in my apartment. But yeah, anyway. right? <laughs> Yeah, not yet. So far, I'm only a filament printer there. <laughs> um, so, okay, here's a little bit more detail on your IoT question. Um, so, kind of the different offerings here. Awesome. Yep. All the things. All the things. Um, so, I, like I said, I haven't worked with this part of the company yet because I'm relatively fresh there. Yeah. Um, but um, cool, cool stuff there. Um, I could read those things, but then so too can you. <laughs> so, <laughs> sure. so I don't think I need to. That's uh, yeah, let me know when it's good. When, when uh, so just I think I'll turn this into a, a mini podcast episode if you're cool because yeah we've yeah, basically absolutely. done all the things that I would normally do. <laughs> so okay. I'll just read it off. Fantastic. There's uh, IoT and yeah. connected devices, and then there's um, the connected product strategy, going from device hardware to device software to communications, cloud platform, cloud application. So this slide is showing the whole thing. They can do the PCB and electronics design all the way through to the coding stuff. 
and yeah. uh, even the applications themselves that are on the cloud platform. Absolutely. So, very cool. And we can do some of the, some of the like kind of brainstorming creative parts. So if you have kind of like a vague idea, we can kind yeah. of help, you know, condense that into something that really fits with this. Beautiful. Got any more slides in there? Oh yeah. It keeps going. <laughs> um, I, we can, we can stop whatever, whatever you want. So these are some of the, these are some of the markets that we, that we specialize in. So med tech is one um, that they've been particularly focused on, but then also um, we have a lot of food tech, as you see below where it says food tech right there, the Albert smoothies and Albert soup. Those are uh, vending machines that make fresh smoothies and fresh soups. And so my office mate here built the original smoothie machine, which uses real ingredients, blending it on site in the machine while you watch. It's such an incredible piece of engineering and it's such a difficult thing to do. Oh, um, frozen bananas are the least consistent material of all time. And so to feed those with a consistent dosing and then blend them is not trivial. Um, <laughs> and doing that for a dozen different ingredients in the same machine, the engineering that went into this is really cool. I would have thought it was um, the cleaning part that would be hard, but I guess that just- It also sell, there are also self-cleaning aspects of it. And uh, it is, it's, it's a, it's a bunch, it's a bunch of work. Cool. Um, there's also, they do a lot with uh, cycling. I think part of being in, in Belgium is um, lots of love for bicycles. Um, <laughs> like, or maybe it's just speaking Dutch. I'm not sure. Um, but they do a lot there, both with the mobility industry and also then doing analysis to improve competition sports equipment. Um, I think they also did something for the Belgian uh, field hockey team, national field hockey team. Mm. Maybe I'm, I might be misremembering that. Don't quote me on that. Okay. Um, and also in the uh, competitive racing industries. And then, and then industry 4.0 is all of the IoT stuff, uh, loading and unloading of uh, of. 18, like uh, shipping trucks, lorries, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. I know they've worked on project, projects in there. Wow, that's cool. So, yeah, yeah, like I was mentioning before we started recording, you know, like all these different mm -hmm. markets, these industry experiences that are represented here, those to me are different specialties because yeah. each one comes with different standards, different regulations, different expectations Absolutely. of all sorts of things. And um, if you're developing a product for one of those, again, like anyone could do it, but if you've already worked in that space before, you're going to do it yeah. better and faster. Yeah. So that's super cool to have that big of a spread at Foxdale. Yeah, it's true. And and the, the principals who have been here for 15 years were working in the industry before that, and they bring in some some unbelievable knowledge of the way that stuff works it's really it's really been fun you know like i'm certainly an, an experienced engineer but yeah. looking at the guys who've been at it for you know decades longer than <laughs> it's like awesome to just be able to learn from them yeah um, and to have their experience on board for stuff i'm so glad i got to meet you and learn all about your skill sets and it's a, i'm a, a strange human being when you get right down to it but i have a lot <laughs> of fun building stuff yeah so many different talents you got the electromechanical, the, the patent view of There's, things. You got medical and beverages and uh, Germany business. and Europe <laughs> versus America. Like so many yeah. different perspectives. Really, really yeah. great stuff. You should see me write a pitch deck. <laughs> <laughs> Is it good? You don't want to pump yourself up too much, but yeah, it's pretty good. I, I write a pretty good pitch deck. Oh, cool. Maybe we should put that in your yeah. profile too. <laughs> yeah, 
And then anytime I ever need any optical engineering, I know exactly yes! who to talk to. I know exactly that, who to talk to. I've been taking notes. That's the whole point of all of this. Yes, yes. <laughs> Grow the network the very hard way. So awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. I appreciate it. It was great meeting you. And I hope Absolutely. to talk to you again Good soon. Hope so. Talk to you soon. Have a great day. Bye-bye. If you'd like to connect with Will Fisher or Voxdale about your development project, you can do so by going to Will's profile on oddengineer.com and directly sending a message. Or you can visit Voxdale's websites. There are two of them, one for Belgium, which is voxdale.be, B as in boy, E as in engineer, or voxdale.de for Deutschland. Thank you for listening.